everybody. What's up? Welcome to Animanies. I'm Paige. And I'm Chris. And today we will be discussing the early Cartoon Network quote-unquote classic Johnny Bravo created by Van Partible. It's very interesting to me that you place such an emphasis on classic. I wonder what that signals about our opinion of this gem, this Annie-nominated classic. Yeah, if you guys think way back to our first season when we discussed um, uh, Animaniacs and kind of how we felt about Animaniacs, this is going to be similar to that, but without the benefit of, like, really high-quality animation. And it also is a weird... Or the involvement of Steven Spielberg. Yeah, okay, okay, yes. Animaniacs involved Spielberg, which I guess is a weird nexus point. Like that, Johnny Bravo includes another bunch of weird coincidences or, like, weird uh, things that are, like, people that are wrapped up in it. More so than Animaniacs. So I feel like it'll be a little bit more interesting to hear about and to talk about because there are some some surprising facts about this show. Yeah, it's sort of like Johnny Bravo is like the Bay of Pigs of the animation world (laughs) in the sense that the more you learn about it, the the more you're like fucking... What? And the more you learn about it, the more there's like, oh, that person was involved and that person was involved and they went and did these other things. Something fucking weird is going on here. The more you learn, the more you're confused. Those of you who remember Johnny Bravo will probably remember catchphrases like sassy or do the monkey with me. Just things about the show. And and we don't have any story to talk about because... There is none. There is none. Johnny Bravo is a show with seven-minute episodes. That's right. You heard me. Not two per 30-minute block, but three per 30-minute. And sometimes more than that because there will sometimes be like a brief interstitial in between them because they're quote-unquote stories are so short so it's really it's really a show that's a collection of shorts yeah there's no plot there's no it, it's it's like a weird commedia dell'arte you know who these characters are and it's just like rearranging them but you always know what everybody's deal is Yeah. Now, to be fair about the length of it, it was pitched to What a Cartoon, which was, you know, an animation showcase that was based on shorts. But the thing is, the majority of the cartoon cartoons came about the same way, and they didn't all keep making seven-minute episodes, so I don't know. The show originally ran from 1997 to 2004, so it was... You know, it was birthed in that same era that we've talked about on the show where you see things like Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls and a lot of these shows that we uh, feel very fondly about or very distinctly remember. And for me, Johnny Bravo sits in a tier with Cow and Chicken and uh, there's another show that I am forgetting It's not I Am Weasel, because I Am Weasel is a part of Cow and Chicken, but it is, it's like a tear down. (laughs) And I was telling Paige earlier, this was never a show that I went to go watch. It is Mm -hmm. a show that came on in between other shows that I wanted to watch, and I watched it anyway. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I actually was not allowed to watch Johnny Bravo, Bravo. And to this day, my mom is just certain that that must have been because it was an Adult Swim show. But the thing is, is it premiered in 1995 and the Adult Swim format launched in, I think, 2000. Um, but she's like, it came on after you were in bed. <laughs> But the point was, she did not feel that I should be watching it. And I totally get that. I, you know, if I had had 
a less wholesome upbringing, this show could be theoretically pretty toxic. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, like, before we move forward, I just want to bring up something that will continue to be important throughout our discussion of the show, which is um, the way that this coincided with Cartoon Network's acquisition of Hanna-Barbera. So this, what, like, what a cartoon was technically a Hanna-Barbera showcase, um, and a lot of the early Cartoon Network programs were made at Hanna-Barbera as a studio. A lot of Hanna-Barbera people were involved in this show, including Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera. (laughs) Um, And... What's you can see in various aspects of this show how like they're sort of working through that acquisition. For example, the first three seasons were produced by Hanna Barbera, whereas the final season, which was a revival in 2003, was produced by Cartoon Network Studios. Um Another thing that's really interesting is that the creator of the show left after the first season and was, quote, retooled under the direction of a new showrunner until the original creator came back for the revival and restored it to its original format, which is really interesting to me because they don't go into detail and... Every episode of this show is interchangeable with any other episode of the show. I think that you can see evidence of this in how the show is made and some of its quality. But um, before we kind of roll into that, the first interesting thing about this show is the people behind it because you've already kind of talked a little bit about Hannah and Barbera but like the people who've worked on the show which actually actually includes the Hannah and the Barbera of Hannah Barbera is is (laughs) fascinating so uh let's talk about who created the show which in and of itself is so interesting to me Uh, Yeah, so Van Partable, um, creator of the show, uh, is, full name, Ephraim Giovanni Bravo Partable, and he is a Filipino-American man who was born in Manila. And you might say, okay, yeah, I mean, like, born in Manila, but probably, like, his dad was, like, in the army, right? No, he is an ethnically Filipino man. And if that's surprising to you because of the way that Johnny Bravo is, you are not alone. That is also surprising to us. It, it, and it's not in the sense that, you know, people can't make things that are, that don't tie directly to their background. But I, uh, for the longest time, was just like, this has to have been made by, like, a very specific kind of white guy. <laughs> was my feeling. Yeah, there's just, like, I would never, in a, if you had said to me, Paige, who do you think made Johnny Bravo? I would be like, I don't know, some like 28-year-old white dude. When you were like, Seth MacFarlane worked on this show, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And if you'd told me Seth MacFarlane created this show, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I would never in a million years have been like, a Filipino man made this show. So you, that, that is, that is weird. And he never really went on to do any other major shows despite the fact that despite I I, we're not we're I'm trying not to speak derisively just honest about sort of like the milk the lukewarm bowl of porridge that this show is for me but yeah it it's it was received well like people like it percolated into popular culture enough that anybody who had had kind of like that modicum of name recognition I would have expected would continue making shows would continue to have done something even if it had been mediocre and that just like kind of didn't happen would is another odd part of this story for me 
Yeah, yeah. It's just um so also for context, shows that were were premiering uh at the same time were um the Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Lab, um, as well as a few other shows. And in fact, it says it this is unclear whether it means he was literally roommates with these people or if they like shared office space at the studio. But it says that he roomed with Craig McCracken, who you all know is the creator of Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. In addition, well, actually, we've covered three of his shows. We've covered the Powerpuff Girls. We've covered Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. And we've covered Kid Cosmic. The only one of his shows that we have not covered is Wander Over Yonder. So clearly prolific. Gendy Tartakovsky of Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack, who, as you know, is the GOAT, and Paul Reddish, a less known name, but who has worked on pretty much everything that Gendy Tartakovsky has ever made. He um, was the co-creator of a less successful, but, you know, still well-liked show called Symbionic Titan. And he was in charge of a run of Mickey Mouse revival cartoons as well. So this guy who created Johnny Bravo was like sitting there with a bunch of like, you know, the top guys from his generation of animators. Titans, if, yes. you, sh- if you will. Yes. Uh, and in addition to that, I know that it had ar- it's already been mentioned, but Seth MacFarlane kind of got his start i yeah this is it's fair to say his start cuz yes. he worked it was one of his first gigs where he was doing writing and storyboarding and although he worked on other shows like Dexter's Lab which also blew my fucking mind he it, it, it was mostly on Johnny Bravo which tracks for me i heard that and i thought yeah. wow i am not shocked one fucking bit um, slightly more surprising of this is that this also launched the career of Butch Hartman. And in fact, he was the primary writer on many of the earliest episodes. It was weird watching the first couple of episodes of season one and seeing written by Butch Hartman. Butch Hartman, if you don't remember, we recently talked about him. He's the creator of Fairly Odd Parents, a show that I really like. And I, Johnny Bravo was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So exactly. clearly, clearly having to write within, uh, you know, a box, but also Butch Hartman has spoken favorably about Johnny Bravo. So I don't know. It's so interesting. Like, like everything about like part of what's unpleasant about this show, not to like throw any shade on Van Partable or whatever, like good for him. You know, he 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 created the show and was successful and he's been like friends with other animators and just kind of, you know, being sort of like a working animator throughout his career after this, um, which like he got paid a lot for this show. He doesn't really need to do shit if he doesn't need the money, you know? So, um, but so much of this show has not a lot to do with like actual creatives and a whole lot to do with corporate entities acquiring one another. Because just as I said, Cartoon Network had acquired Hanna-Barbera, and that influenced a lot of their original early programming. Their parent company, Turner Media, was, after season one, acquired by Warner Brothers, who fired Van Partible and brought in a different guy. And that's who, quote unquote, retooled the show. Right. So um, I don't know. I, I, I just would watch kind of random episodes. But did you notice, Chris, anything different about seasons two or three as compared to seasons one and four? Um, no, I they felt they felt very. They. You said earlier that they feel interchangeable and they, for me, continued to feel interchangeable for the for the most part. I think it was either season three or four. You can tell maybe it specifically would have linked with the revival that the animation quality tanked. Hmm. The style changed. 
the yeah it just kind of got visually worse <laughs> for from my from my perspective but I mean, I know that their acquisition of Hanna-Barbera was very clear in the DNA of the show because Hanna-Barbera characters come into the show or Hanna-Barbera-esque characters are all over the place. So it's 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 really apparent that they're really trying to get as much of their other properties also in the show at the same time, which is weird because this is just like suburbia. This is just like any random Western city, USA. Yeah, I, um, do you want to hear something surprising and kind of hilarious about the first three seasons of this show? No, I, 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 I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah, I do. Of course. It was animated with traditional ink and paint and a film camera. Okay. That, that would... it was hand animated for the first three seasons. That would explain why it got shittier. Because it all of a sudden was digital? Yeah, that it was digital and it was like bad. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I have. I didn't watch enough episodes and in any particular order to really take note of that change. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's. It's interesting because, you know, the presence of all of these Hanna-Barbera catalog characters kind of seems like a shameless cash grab. It kind of seems like a like, let's capitalize on all these characters that we've gained the IP to. Yeah, I I I feel in 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 many cases you could have done the same stories without those characters. Mm -hmm. So it's completely unnecessary. It, it is completely unnecessary to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like shameless product placement. Is like that. Like, did they really have to say, I love Coca-Cola? No, they didn't. But no, it's for the money. Yeah, it's like, did the girls that Johnny hit on really need to be Velma and Daphne? You know? <laughs> yeah, fucking Scooby-Doo is in this, and... Like, apparently there's a lot of interaction between Johnny Bravo and Scooby-Doo, which I don't really understand. Well, it makes sense because Scooby-Doo was, and always, has always been quite popular, so mm -hmm. it makes sense to integrate those two together. Like, there are less popular Hanna-Barbera people that show up, but it makes sense that the, one of the ones that keeps coming up would be, yeah. you know, a very famous pair. Or I guess, group. like, Scooby-Doo is the most successful Hanna-Barbera property of all time. Um, and, like, arguably, aside from, like, Mickey Mouse and his other traditional characters, maybe one of the most successful like maybe the most successful animation property of all time outside of that Disney stuff. So, so Johnny Bravo it, as a show is basically like, for those of you who are unfamiliar, which if you are, um, it's very weird. The character <laughs> and the plots are sort of like, to me, it feels like a time capsule of like pre nine 11, very pre me too. Uh, Johnny mm -hmm. Bravo is a man who is styled after Elvis Presley, who acts very Presley-esque. He's also like, his his appearance is like combo Elvis James Dean. Yes. Because he's blonde. His look is just jeans with a black shirt and sunglasses. Whereas his mannerisms are very Elvis, where and he's got the pompadour hair, and he's like, "Oh, mama!" So like they they do a Elvis esque thing. So he's kind of like trying to be a bunch of different cultural things that I can't, I can't. My brain did a whole series of things, and now I can't stop thinking about Johnny Bravo trying to hit on Lana Del Rey. I hate what you just said, and I need you to go back in time and 
Delete. But you know how I got there, right? <laughs> like, I I believe so. I'm not as big of a uh, Del Rey head as you might be, <laughs> but that that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and that interestingly is a good segue into his primary behavior, which is hitting on women unsuccessfully and yeah. grossly. So that's the whole conceit of this show is man with a old style, old style of fashion and and pop icon worship tries to hit on women and gets beat up a lot. That's congratulations. You've watched pretty much all Johnny Bravo episodes. He is not very smart. He takes karate, but is both good and bad at it. He, he, his, his foils are like whatever, or foibles are whatever the episode needs them to be to make fun of him. So in that respect, it's, he, he's, he's the butt of every joke. That's his role. Yeah, like he is, he is a selfish, self-centered self-absorbed, narcissistic, immature misogynist. And the show does not approve of that. Like, it's very much like making fun of him and making him the butt of the joke and, you know, like being like, this is bad. Look, he's getting up by women and uh, getting beat up by women and animals and children. And I think that, you know, there's a certain amount of like, you know, this was the 90s. There was Lilith Fair, you know, like this is going on. And so we're like, haha, look at this hot, muscly guy. I'm like, what a fucking nerd this guy is. But the thing is, watching it in 2023, I am very aware of the fact that in reality, Johnny Bravo rules the world. <laughs> yeah, and he's it it's so weird to me because you know, aside from the pompadour, like he he would be what many people would consider to be somewhat convinced. He's got actual muscles. He's supposed to be like an exaggerated version of being conventionally attractive. You know, he's got big muscles on top and a pompadour and stuff. And women in the show don't care about his physique, which I feel like is the writer's attempt to be like women care about more than just what you look like. Um, they do, but it is it it is so funny because every time he hits on somebody, he gets beat up. Which I know from psychological research that men play a numbers game, and it's so it's weird that he only ever gets turned down. Um, he, he, there are one or two times where he doesn't get turned down, but they're really weird edge cases. Like he, God, there are some wild fucking stories in the show. There's an episode where he answers a classified ad in a newspaper and that ad is um woman seeks narcissistic vein uh man with like a blonde pompadour so like it's basically tailor-made for him and yeah. it's like must be okay with fur and so he goes and meets her and she's a werewolf so oh my gosh. the reason that she's into him is because he's willing to tolerate her being a werewolf. So the <laughs> there are cases like that where he does attempt to date people, but the only reason they do is because he like has tricked them or they have a problem that he doesn't care about as much or like can solve. So it's very transactional in that regard which is very weird to me it, it would be really hilarious if they rewrote that episode so that he answers a personal ad but the person who plays the ad turns out to be Belle Ganesse famous early 20th century American serial killer <laughs> well Lord men by placing classified ads well so there is an episode where he answers a classified ad no it's a commercial for uh scientific trial 
at the de-evolution lab and it's basically like a, a, a lady scientist who's turning people into animal hybrids and so basically what you just described does kind of happen that okay that's funny the thing is is about the show is it's not like entirely unfunny or anything it's like you know it'll get like a you know a smirk or a like a you know, rapid, forceful exhale out of my nose from me. <laughs> um, you know, the one. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just I can't. I, I thought about it and I just realized today it's because it's because I know that Johnny Bravo rules the world and no school teachers, crocodiles or babies will ever actually beat the real life Johnny Bravo up. Um, he'll get to be president of the United States. It, and so that, like, is, it's not as fun, you know? Yeah, that's that's kind of, like, what I was referring to. It's, like, very clearly, we're, we're in the post-Trump, well, I should say post-2016, or in the post-2016 yeah. Me Too mm -hmm. era, and For this sure. just hits very differently. Mm-hmm. It's not funny to think about it. There are people who, as a result of Me Too, got some form of justice, but it's not yeah. funny to watch a show and laugh at a dude getting beat up because he's sexually harassing women. Yeah, it's like, OK, so, yeah, he's getting beat up, but like, so he's getting comeuppance. But does that like make it funny that he literally sexually assaults at least one woman per episode. Like, you know, like if in terms of like groping, like yeah, he, he like he, he picks gropes women in every episode, he picks them up, he gets in their space and puts his hands on them when they don't want it, you know? And they beat him up, which it, it, it kind of feels like that's what a man would think is justice, right? You get up in somebody's face and you punch them and everybody laughs because the doofus got punched and you move on. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's that is it. That's OK. So I, I hate applying the term male gaze too much because I feel like <laughs> it, especially in left circles, there's just like a tendency, I think, to overuse mm -hmm. that concept a little bit or be Definitely. clumsy about it. But this feels like a very male gaze view of just like oh, yeah. justice for sexual assault like just beat them absolutely. up absolutely the the yeah. solution is just to encourage women to attack their attacker when data bears out the fact that like that's a very dangerous prospect for women to physically accost men who are sexually yeah. harassing them that could yeah. like, straight up get them killed <laughs> there's this there's this like very like a really well-intentioned male instinct to be like Oh, well, guys who act like that or guys who do like X, Y, Z things, they're actually pathetic. They're actually complete losers, you know, so we should all just laugh at them because they're losers. And I think this is an attempt to do that. But the thing is, like for women, like I'm like, well, yeah, they are pathetic and they are losers, but that doesn't make me any more safe from them. Like he's huge with huge muscles. He's still dangerous, even if he's pathetic, you know, he yeah, the way that he copes with rejection is delusion. He'll either give up, but make it as if, like, the woman has the problem, or he'll keep pursuing them, but then, like, eventually get beat up too bad and, like, he physically can't keep pursuing them. So this isn't a solution like that's kind of the problem is like Johnny Bravo is never deterred from being this kind of person by the mm -hmm. violence visited upon him by women. It's or, not enough. It's not enough. So I, yeah, it just, and this is like, I'm sure there's somebody out here there. who's going to be like, you're thinking about this too much. And like him getting beat up is justice. And I'm like, well, what's the point of the show folks. It's the point of our show. Like, yeah, first of all, what show are you fucking listening to and why, yeah, why are you, you here? <laughs> but more to the point, like, entertainment like this, like, first of all, we've spoken on the show about the difference between comedy that's mean-spirited and not mean-spirited. And yes. the show is 
just mean-spirited. There's... The most mean-spirited of cartoons. Like, and, besides, like, Looney Tunes. And, and there are times where I can laugh at a mean-spirited cartoon, but, like, that's all Johnny Bravo is. And it attempts to lift that up a little bit with, like, Susie and his mom, who are both actually cool, but they're not the main characters of this fucking show. That Like, Johnny Bravo is the name of the show, so it's all about him. Speaking of which... Where are Susie's parents? Nope, nope, don't Why think... Why are they letting her spend time with this man? Don't think about it too hard, because if you think about it too hard, it'll break the veneer and it all falls apart. Because, yeah, Susie is a, is a smart, precocious child who is more adult than Johnny. Okay, fine. But she's also a young, unsupervised child with this weird man-child who doesn't have a job, lives with his mother, and runs around sexually assaulting women. Yeah. Apparently, there is an episode, and, like, this was pointed out online as an example of adult humor... But apparently there's an episode in which Susie calls Johnny on the phone and asks him if he wants to come over. And he says, call again in 15 years when you're a co-ed. What the fuck? Oh, God damn. So everybody is probably aware that whenever you parody something, you risk going too far and yes, right. That's Poe's law that pair like, yeah, when you create a parody, there's always a risk that you will simply end up appealing to the exact people that you are trying to parody. Right. Like this is any, but this is the problem with people who are like, Alex Jones was just like trolling on like everybody including right-wingers and it's like well at some point you go like even if i believed that which i don't yeah. a no no like <laughs> a like i don't believe that for a second but i've heard that argument before or same with like carl tuckerson like people who are trying to like be like no they're 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 really just like making fun of everybody including right-wingers you're like even if i believed for a moment that that was possible they are doing such a bad job of it mm -hmm. because they are clearly loved by the people that you say mm -hmm. they are trying to parody. So yeah, at that point, it, it, the point is moot. Same with this. Like, yeah, if you're going to, I mean, in all fairness to Alex Jones, there really are chemicals in the water that are turning the frickin' frogs gay. Okay. But that's <laughs> yes. But like, Okay, if you take individual sound bites from Alex Jones, you can piece together a factually correct book. But that's like saying that if I burn my house down, I might be able to go back through the house and find a couple of my personal items that are undamaged. Like that that doesn't mean that my house Look, you you under no circumstances have to give it to him. But there are chemicals in the water that are turning the frickin' frogs gay. Look it up. It's actually really interesting. Uh, yeah, like a broken, the you know, the saying is a broken clock strikes broken twice, right, twice, twice a day. day. Yeah. <laughs> At so, least once a year I say that about Donald Trump specifically. Okay, you know something I've noticed? If you could judge a show by the topics that naturally flow from conversations about that show, we have talked about Alex Jones and Donald Trump and me too. And all of these people and topics without forcing it, it just kind of happened. So maybe that says something about Johnny hey, Bravo. Cause you you're know, thinking about it. We, we're talking about it. We haven't, we didn't talk about Donald Trump at all when we talked about adventure time. And we those, were, those were four whole episodes. So, <laughs> you know, something's going on mm -hmm. in the water. Yeah, definitely. It's just like, it's one of those, I just, it makes me feel so weird to watch it because I don't want to fall in like, I absolutely fucking hate this trend that's driven primarily by Twitter and is more common amongst people in the generation below us, but is also very common amongst like 
42-year-old female Hillary voters who purposefully only read YA, you know, um, that it, like, if you're going to portray something bad in a piece of media, that you must explicitly state that it is bad and punish people for it, like they want to reinvent the fucking Hayes Code, I hate that. But at the same time, this show, it's like, it's so obvious to me that they're saying, look, this behavior is bad. Isn't it ludicrous how bad his behavior is? But it just like, the behavior is so bad and we've done so little to do anything about it in actuality that it just doesn't like feel like it's not like I'm like, this isn't funny. This is very serious. But it's just not as entertaining to me as other things are because it's such bad behavior and it's still such a problem 20 years after they made the show that it's like it's harder to like really get into it and be like, ha ha, oh, Johnny. When I'm like, yeah, no, really, that's a problem. Yeah, the conceit of some of the episodes isn't bad. I distinctly remember enjoying one or two of them. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, this is a this is definitely a situation where I'm not like this is eroding children's brains. We need to oh, take yeah. them out of school and scrub Johnny Bravo from the place like the face of the earth, uh, and at the risk of you know people saying you're taking cartoons too seriously. Number one, again, where why the why fuck are you are here? You here? <laughs> Number two, I, I, I perhaps understand that some people will find this a pure funny thing and that's okay I'm not trying to yuck your yum but right <laughs> this is my retrospective and and I am saying it it gets in the way of the jokes for me a lot yeah, of the time like Johnny's insufferable but so insufferable that seeing him get punched doesn't make him less insufferable. If that makes any sense. Yes. Like, yes. I, I guess what I mean is like, if I'm going to watch 30 minutes of a show, yes, seeing somebody get their comeuppance is cool, but he's just like low grade awful all the time. And it's just not pleasurable. Yeah, like he, there's not even like a modicum of like learning a lesson like at all ever in the show, you know? Right. So that's something else that comes in with like Hanna-Barbera cartoons or Looney Tunes. And and I feel like really represented a lot of TV post 80s was the distinct absence of a moral, like amorality. Like Mm -hmm. there's none of that like X-Men or captain planet post scene it's like give a hoot don't pollute right there's there's which also to be clear fucking sucks <laughs> i know we're gonna do one of those shows one day and i think we should well just... they did it on the fucking um the uh sailor moon dub remember i know which is so fuck okay guys i realize this is about johnny bravo but do you guys remember the fact that a purely american invention in that show was taking scenes like from Sailor Moon and then dubbing them with a moral lesson, something that they did not do in Japan. Fucking hilarious, dude. Um, truly amazing. V- Viz Media or Diz Viz, I forget which one it was. I think it was Viz. Um, thank you. Invisible Yu-Gi-Oh guns, like Anyway, so it, it is it is a moral and mean spirited. And I, I feel like I here's what I would say. I wouldn't opt to show it to my children, but I also wouldn't scream at them if they watched it without me knowing. Now, I will say I was trying to find out if it, what its time slot was to see if like did kids mostly not watch this because of when it aired. Um, and, uh, if that was true in 2004, it stopped being true in, like, the late 2000s because they created a programming block called Johnny Johnny, which showed an episode of Johnny Test and then an episode of Johnny Bravo together. Um, but I have learned 
that in 2009, there was a special episode created just for the Indian market called Johnny Goes to Bollywood. And then in 2011, they made a feature film called Johnny Goes to Bollywood. Um, it was the final thing in the production. And I'm like, this sounds fucking fantastic. Where can I find this? I feel I a, need to see Johnny Goes to Bollywood. I feel a sense of dread in my heart. <laughs> like, maybe it's great. Like, what if what if it's actually good? That would be crazy. I mean, like, I don't think it's actually going to be good, but I do think it's going to be hilarious in its badness. So maybe we'll try to find it and we'll try to do it as like a little mini-sode or something. That might be fun. Oh, holy shit. The promotional poster is incredible. Um, We should post a link for people because... Uh, that sounds, you should, you should send me the link because I definitely want to see this. Yeah, dude. I like, holy shit. It's a really brief Wikipedia page, but like, wow. Oh man. Oh boy. Yeah, it's really <laughs> shiny. Ah. <laughs> uh Oh, man. I don't know what to think of this, except to wonder if, you know, I'm on drugs. I <laughs> this is being imagined. Uh, oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I guess so th this this points to the fact that it has had weird staying power. Like I've mentioned it before, it percolated into popular culture. People knew the catchphrases. It fucking... Uh, a NASCAR race car had Johnny Bravo on it at like a, a race. So people know about the show and people have spoken fondly about it. So clearly it's had staying power above what our commentary would suggest. Though I don't know what that says about the state of American animation at the time or, or, or what like, I don't know. I remember that my youngest and most on-drugs uncle really liked that show at the time. He isn't my youngest <laughs> uncle, actually. Not youngest, but my most on-drugs uncle. <laughs> Did I meet... Have I met this person? No. No, okay. Um, You've met my actual youngest uncle, but okay. not the one I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other examples of my experience with the show, but truth be told, we kind of did this because we wanted something that was quick and digestible. And it it's like, this is like a Twinkie of cartoons. It kind of gave me a tummy ache, you know? Yeah, like it kind of gave me a tummy ache. It's super processed, super easy to eat quickly. Mm -hmm. Not very much nutritional substance to it. Um, we wanted to kind of go back. I feel like this is what I will feel about Looney Tunes a little bit, except Looney Tunes has the weird musical and historical content that actually, like, gives you things to talk about, whereas this is just, like, any town USA in the 1990s. Yeah, like, Looney Tunes, in order to get the jokes, you need to, like, know about like opera and mythology and shit to like really get the stuff in and, and like a lot of like stuff about like early 20th century popular culture you know and i just don't think that uh johnny bravo is that demanding of its audience it it's also interesting to me that whenever i think of johnny bravo whenever i see his image i think of the virgin and the chad meme because <laughs> Jo Johnny because he's, he's yeah because he looks like the Chad but he's actually like the Virgin yeah I I think Johnny Bravo is a Virgin discuss oh, absolutely okay there's no way he's ever convinced anybody to have sex with him Virgin for sure 
<laughs> you heard it here first on Animates. Johnny Bravo is a virgin. Waxtra, waxtra. Johnny <laughs> Bravo, virgin. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Read all about it. You Sub know, headline, ashamed, mother weeps. <laughs> uh, sub, sub line, old man's best friend, nine-year-old girl. <laughs> you know, those newsies would have sold a lot more newspapers if they'd had air horns. You know, it, like also if what they were trying to sell was In Touch magazine, that they would have sold way more. um there's there's a very funny episode where johnny bravo runs out of hair gel and he has to look for hair that's one of those episodes that actually does not revolve around women fascinating lo and behold it was actually more entertaining um you know there are side characters too um there's like this old soda jerk guy that's kind of like curmudgeonly and is like kind of like a classic Hanna-Barbera type. And then there's like Are you his, talking about Pops? Yeah, He's Pops. also kind of a criminal. Y- yeah, definitely feels like a mobster. <laughs> um, And then there's his friend, his nerdy, his actual nerdy friend. Tom Kenny. Yeah, who's voiced by Tom Kenny. Who, mm. like... Him and Susie are... Susie is friends with people who are way above her weight class in terms of age. Like... Where are her parents? Just... Why is she hanging out with so many adult men? (laughs) (laughs) The answer may shock you. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) She's teaching them all how to sew. Um, get your mind out of the gutter. Jeez. Oh, man. So much for the tolerant left. Um, oh my god. <laughs> listen, if you have a problem with young girls having strong male models. There's a little, little spoonerism there for you. Role models. <laughs> then I, I I think this shows the hollowness of the left's ideology. Um, no, she she's hanging out with all these adult men, and it's very weird. And two of them, like at least the other guy, is smart and kind and like kind of a weenie, but he's like a good person. And Johnny Bravo just shits all over both of them. That's like he's a terrible person. Of course, he's a terrible person. Um. So yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about this show. I, I, it was milk toast to me as a kid, and it's milk. It's even milkier now. You know, um, I think it really says something um, about even though it was really iconic about how many people actually want to still watch Johnny Bravo because if you would like to watch Johnny Bravo. You must either pay an exorbitant amount of money to watch it or sail the high seas. And I feel like if people really wanted to watch it, that would not be the case. If there was demand for Johnny Bravo. Yeah, but by the same token, there are clearly shows that people want to watch. And the devil that is HBO Max, now just Max... Okay, that's true. Shows that clearly demand is less important than not paying people residuals. Yeah. But to be fair, like, if we compare Johnny Bravo to its peers, they're more available, you know? Yeah, that's fair. It was pretty easy to find everything else. Like, most things were easy to find. Yeah. Yeah, most things were easy to find, and even if you had to pay for them, it was like, oh, this season is $10. Johnny Bravo, they want $20 fucking dollars for a season of Johnny Bravo. What? That's it's so much. Just digital. Not even... Yeah, not like no physical copy, just digital. I suspect that over the next 10 to 20 years, it will be lost to the vaults of time. Almost certainly. Well... We hardly knew ye, Johnny Bravo. 
but <laughs> I don't necessarily think the world will end up worse for your passing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not necessarily. It's Certainly hard. people won't weep like they did for James Dean or Elvis. <laughs> they won't weep like they do for shows like, I don't know, Infinity Train. Everything that J.G. Quintel has ever made. God, God, God rest ye, you, you merry men. Um, I, I don't know how that ties in, but. Christmas Carol, Chris. <laughs> I, so I'm clearly f- done. <laughs> I hope that you've enjoyed our look, our our weird jumping around that we've done this season. Um, For those of you who aren't Patreon subscribers, we are nearing the point where our extra episode on Princess Mononoke should become available for you. If you would really like to support us, we could always use a little bit of support that would allow us to make more content and and keep the lights running as it were but we're 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 otherwise going to figure out what to do next in the meantime so we've hope you've enjoyed mm-hmm. this relatively thick release of content over the last month and a half we're trying to make it up to you yeah we're trying to make it up to you as as life mm-hmm. continues to happen so we'll yeah. we'll we'll bring you some juicy juicy new stuff from the past for sure but in the meantime if you would like to reach us on social media we are animates podcast on facebook at animates on the site formerly known as twitter um and you we can also be emailed at animates at gmail.com where the numeral eight stand in stands in for the letters a t if you like the show and do not want to contribute to Patreon, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. That's the best non-monetary way to support us. Um, and as always, thank you so much for listening. I've been Paige. And I've been Chris. And this has been Animates. <laughs>